So we're in the middle of a series called See the World, and today I'm excited to be able to teach from a Bible passage that has not only impacted my life, but has impacted the, really the last 2,000 years in an incredible way. And See the World series is really about seeing the world a lot different, because how we typically see the world as everyday, day-to-day human beings is a lot different than what God would say. And the way that we perceive the world is a lot different than the way God sees the world. And so today we're talking about leadership at the beginning of this series. And what I really want to say about Jesus is that Jesus wasn't the leader that everyone thought he was going to be. In fact, when you read the Old Testament and you read the prophecies about the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, there were these ideas and these visions about when Jesus came, what he would be like. And Jesus really flipped the world upside down. He really flipped the world upside down, not just the Jews that were anticipating his coming, but, but the prophets that were anticipating his coming. Even the wise men, right? When we go back and we think about Christmas, we think about the story. It's like how Jesus came was different than they thought he would come. And what Jesus said was different than even what they thought he would say. The position that he came forward into this earth, how he came, was different than they thought how he would come. I mean, think about the way that he was born, who he was born to, right? Now, if I ask you a question about Jesus, I think you would probably easily agree that Jesus, or do you think that Jesus was a great leader? I think you would say, yeah, he was a great leader. But what, is, what constitutes a great leader, right? When we look through history today, and we, and we look through the, the people that are leading our country, the people that are leading other countries, like there are great leaders and there are poor leaders, right? But what makes a leader is often different than the way that Jesus came. I would say Jesus was a great leader, but not the, not the leader that they thought he would be. Even the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the other contemporaries, the other first century historians that talked about Jesus, Jesus did not come leading the way that they thought the Messiah would come. He did things a lot different didn't he? He even quoted scripture at times and he would say, you have heard that it was said this, but I tell you this. He came interpreting and teaching in a way that really blew his audience away. In fact, it wasn't the teachers of the law and the Pharisees that would follow him. It was the people that didn't understand the law because he was teaching it in a way that was very different. One of the most profound teachings that Jesus had is really found in John chapter 13, and it's a passage of scripture that I want to open up today. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 13. If you have the app, it's also loaded on the app. It will also be on the screen. But in John chapter 13, Jesus does something. And remember, we talked that he, he taught differently than they thought that he would teach. He said things differently than, than how people thought that he would say it, right? And so Jesus would do things that would really just blow people away. And this is one of these moments. So let me give you the context. This is the day before Jesus would be hung on a cross. The day before. They were about to celebrate the the feast of the Passover, and Jesus gathers with his disciples. Even who he hung out with was different than they thought who who Jesus the Messiah would come and hang out with, right? He wasn't ruling the world that they thought in, in the way that they thought that he would. And so Jesus, hanging out with just a small group of men in an upper room, he has a meal with them. Look in chapter 13 of John, and starting in verse 3. Just read a few verses at a time. Starting in verse 3, we'll read through verse 5. Look at this. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, was going back to God. He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel... 
tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Let me set a little context here beyond what I've already shared about the Feast of the Passover. First century hospitality looks a little bit different, even from home to home, like how you would host a guest is maybe different than how we would host a guest. In certain parts of the world, it's pretty customary to come into their home and you take off your shoes, right? In America, that happens. Raise your hand if you like people take off their shoes when they come into my home, right? Especially during the wintertime. But if they didn't, would you tell them to? You know, some people shake their head. Some people just shook their head. No, I wouldn't tell them, even though I really want them to take off their shoes, right? We have customs. We have traditions in certain parts of the world. When you're invited over, you bring a certain item, right? In parts of Europe, we have friends that lived in France. And it was interesting when, when they lived there, they said, what's different in America, when someone invites you over to their home, you would offer to, hey, can I bring a dessert? You'd, you'd feel like you need to bring something. And can I, can that's sort of responding to hospitality, Right. Well, our friends said, well, in, in, in France, where they were, you, you brought the, the family wine. They didn't as the host, that you would as the guest. And so there's different customs, there's different traditions, right? Well, in first century um, world that they lived, that Jesus entered into, it was very hospitable to have someone at the front door to wash your feet. Now, that was not the man of the house. That was generally either a servant that was hired to take care of the home or potentially even the woman, the wife that lived there. That as a guest would come because they've been working and they did not have closed-toed shoes necessarily because they've been working, they've been walking, their feet are dirty. You come into the home and someone washes your feet. Now, this wasn't always the custom. This was like an extra added blessing, right? What's interesting about this setting is that Jesus had already proclaimed who he was to them the last three years. Jesus had already gained their trust. Jesus had already taught that he was the Messiah. Jesus had already done these miracles. Like Jesus had formed a relationship with these men. They loved him and he loved them. And so they're celebrating this meal in the upper room. Like the disciples had already come in. I'm not sure if they had taken their shoes off at night, but like they were well underway for their evening together, right? And so Jesus, in the middle of the meal, right, he stands up, and I'm sure that they're looking at Jesus thinking, well, what's, what's he doing? Jesus threw people off a lot. Even when, when, when Jesus was hanging out and um, started talking to a Samaritan woman in the middle of the day, when that was not customary, I'm sure people were looking at Jesus, why are you talking to her? Whenever the teachers of the law wanted to stone a prostitute because the law gave authority to do so, Jesus forgave her. And I'm sure people would look at him and say, Jesus, what are you doing? And in this moment, the disciples sitting around that table just hours before he would be betrayed, because we read that in verses 3 and 4 and 5, just hours before he would be betrayed, Jesus stands up, he takes off his outer garment, he puts a towel around his waist, and he begins to wash their feet. Now, unfortunately, we can't really get our minds around this, can we? Because the only thing that could really get our minds around this is if we lived there. And if we understood that type of hospitality that would come. And the only thing that could really even help us uh, taking a step further to really understand that type of hospitality is to understand who would do that. Now, in certain cultures, you would have men that would do certain things to be hospitable. In certain cultures, you'd have women to do. This was not something that Jesus needed to do. This was not something that a man of, the, of, of that culture would do, period. Much less a Jewish rabbi. 
He was, a, he was esteemed by many and loved by many. In fact, many would not even call him Jesus of Nazareth. They would call him Rabbi because that was the title he deserved, right? And so many people would not even call him by name because he deserved the honor that was due because of his studies in the past growing up as a Jewish rabbi. Jesus was an esteemed teacher. He was an esteemed teacher of the law, but to the disciples, he was much more than that. He was the Messiah. And it took them a while, and often they didn't really even understand who Jesus was, and sometimes Jesus would even push back on them and rebuke them, like, guys, you still don't get it, right? And and one day Jesus challenged Peter, and Peter responded and called him in Greek, Christos. The Christ, the anointed one. There were moments when they did, they, they understood who was at the table. There were moments they didn't, but then there were moments when they did understand that this is Jesus. Imagine the setting and the scenario where you're sitting at the table, enjoying a meal, Jesus celebrating, and he stands up and he walks around the table and he asks the disciples to back up, right? Sit down and he takes off their sandals and he begins to wash their feet. Look at verse 6. He came with Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Imagine him going around the table, right? It's Simon Peter's turn. Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Now, this is a moment I really can't get my mind around. Like, Jesus is going around the table, and Peter has the authority, like, it's kind of this feeling inside of him, and he's a leader. Peter wasn't a good leader at times, but he was a great leader. Jesus called him to lead the church after Jesus died and rose again from the dead and, and, and went back to be with the Lord, be with the Father in heaven. Peter led the church in Jerusalem. He was a leader. And so there was a little bit of gumption inside of him, and he said, you're, no, you're not going to do this. You're not going to stoop so low as to wash my feet right? Imagine what Peter was feeling. Could you imagine if someone came up to you? I know this isn't our culture, but just place yourself there, right? Imagine if someone came up to you that, that, that you loved, that you admired, that you looked up to, right? And they stooped so low as to wash your feet. Could you imagine the emotions? Today, I'm going to have Lauren's help bringing in someone that doesn't know that she's coming in. She's been asking all week about what I'm teaching on. I just ignored her questions. And she asked this morning um, what I was doing with the bowl, and she doesn't know. I'm going to tell you that it would, it would just be awkward to have someone wash your feet, right? Right? Well, we're going to make it awkward for someone coming in just a few moments. And the reason I'm doing this isn't just for, she doesn't know this, the reason I'm doing this isn't isn't just for just an illustration. It isn't just for, for Rachel, but it's because of what Jesus said after he did it. And you got to hold on to this, okay? Now, you can imagine who's going to come in here in just a few moments, right? Um, but Jesus did this act, and Peter did not want it to happen. Peter did not want it to happen. Um, everyone welcome Rachel to the room. <laughs> Rachel, I have a, a special seat for you. You, you come on. And you say, she, says, she says, oh my gosh. Peter did not want this to happen. You know why? Because he, he loved Jesus. Jesus was better than this, right? Jesus, someone else should have done this, right? You have a seat. Isn't she pretty? He didn't tell me about this. I, I already told him. Imagine, and, and, and I've just talked about, I, I've ignored your questions all week about what I'm teaching on, right? Oh. 
And I also did not tell you what I was using this bowl for. She asked this morning, what are you, what are you taking that to church for? Oh, just an illustration, right? But imagine being Peter sitting there and Jesus going around the table and saying, no, Jesus, you're, like, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the anointed one. And imagine Peter had a little bit of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a heart inside of him that always wanted to defend Jesus, right? And soon he would have a chance to defend Jesus in the next 12 hours, but he didn't. He got scared. But people disrespected Jesus. They dishonored him. They didn't believe who he was, but Peter did. And Peter responds to Jesus and said, no, you will not wash my feet. You won't do it. And you know what Jesus said? If I don't wash your feet, then you have no part with me. Now, that could have been mind-blowing to them, right? But what Jesus did, I'm so glad you wore sandals. Thank you. I may have noticed that Rachel wore sandals today. Could, could you imagine? Is this awkward for you? It's awkward for me. Could you imagine Peter just saying, what, what's he doing? Just like Rachel was saying, what is he doing, right? I'm glad I painted my toes this morning. They are pretty. Can you get that on camera? Imagine Jesus stooping down low and saying, they don't, Jesus had already told them, you don't understand what I'm doing right now. I didn't use soap. Is that okay with you? You don't understand what I'm doing right now, but soon you will, Right? Jesus, the teacher, the rabbi, the anointed one, he takes a towel and he takes the water and he washes their feet. He goes around the room. Do you think he stopped at anyone? No. He washed all of their feet, including the one that would betray him. Every one of them, he walked around the room and he washed their feet. And you could think in this culture, not in ours necessarily, you could think in this particular culture where they are, wow, okay, no one washed my feet when I came in the door, but, but you, like you're like, you know, no, Jesus, you, you, don't, you don't have to do that. You know, Peter is sitting here humbled, like Rachel may be sitting here humbled, a little bit embarrassed. They would have, they would have been embarrassed too. Like, you don't, you don't have to do this for me. If I walked into your home or I walked into your home and you say, hey, have a seat, bud, <laughs> okay? And you begin to take off my socks and shoes. I mean, that would be one of these moments where you'd say, whoa, 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 it's my feet, man. It's my responsibility. I can take care of my feet. But in this culture, it was, it was the most honest, gracious, humble way for someone to say, let me serve you. Let me take care of you. Can you acknowledge some of you? Some of you don't like being served, do you? Right? Because it's, it's, it's almost, it's hard for you to just kind of open up your hands and say, fine, do it, right? You see someone washing the dishes, you feel like you got to get in there. If someone does something for you, no, 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 you don't have to do that. Even as simple as, let me buy you a cup of coffee. Oh, no, 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 I will. You know, imagine the person saying, okay, good. You know, like, it's just hard for some of you and some of your personalities just to, to let people serve you. And in this moment, Jesus did not have to do what he did. But he goes around the room, he washes their feet, and he says, you don't understand, but soon you're going to. I won't make you stand here the rest of the sermon. Thank you for being a great illustration. Everybody give it up for Rachel. Now, Peter and the other disciples would have been ashamed. Okay, Rachel's a little bit embarrassed. They would have been ashamed. You know what they could have also thought? I should have been the one washing his feet. Like, we're the servant, Right? And we're, like, I'm, I'm the servant. I should have been the one that's doing that for you, Jesus. They would have been ashamed. Sometimes we don't like to receive people serving us because we feel bad we're not doing it. 
a sense of our own laziness. Can anyone acknowledge that they just don't want to do stuff? Sometimes they're just lazy. And then someone begins to do it, and you're like, oh, yeah, they've got an acknowledgement. Me too, me too. There you go. He's like, hey, me. It's fine. That's half the battle right there, just knowing it. I'm lazy, right? I mean, I feel that way too. And someone begins to do something, you're like, no, 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 I should. <laughs> yeah, you should, right? They would have been ashamed, not just embarrassed, that they didn't offer. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 let, let me do this for you. Peter, sit down. Let me wash your feet. Look at the middle of verse 8. Again, we'll pick up. Peter says, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus said, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. The ESV says that. The NIV says, you have no part with me. Now, this is a little bit crazy. And Jesus is, is kind of beginning to explain the why. Jesus is clarifying the why. Why, why am I doing this? He said, you have no part with me. You have no share with me. In, in, in a sense, this is, this is both literal. When Jesus is washing their feet, what would he soon do? He would soon die on the cross and offer the forgiveness of sin, right? And Jesus, the Bible says that if anyone confesses their sin to the Lord and asks for forgiveness, that God will forgive them and wash them clean. I love not just when Jesus teaching and then Paul, the apostle teaching after that, but even in the Old Testament that would prophesy about Jesus that he would wash away sin that he would wipe away sin as far as the east is from the west, that he would offer that kind of forgiveness. And Jesus is telling the disciples, this is why I'm washing you as a picture of what I am doing for you. I am offering you the forgiveness of sins. I'm offering you the cleansing. And that's why I said, if you don't let me do this, Peter, then you and I can't be one. You can't know me. Because if a man walks down the street, so to speak, and says, I don't need God, he's never going to have God, Right? Because he acknowledges, I don't have a need for him. I'm fine the way I am. But when a man or a woman acknowledges that they, they have a need for God, then they're open. Right? If a man's dirty, hopefully, he'll take a shower. Right? If a woman's hungry, hopefully, she's just going to eat. Right? It's just a response. And, and Jesus is saying, if, if you don't let me cleanse you, then you have no part with me. This is a beautiful picture of what Jesus not was doing in this moment, but what Jesus was about to do. I mean, within hours, he would be betrayed. In a few more hours, he would be hung on a cross. And within a few hours after that, he would rise again from the dead and offer the cleansing that he just showed on Thursday night before. This practice of washing of the feet has been practiced for hundreds of years, from the early church to Catholicism to different um, uh, denominations and um, now among Christians, this washing of the feet has been a practice and a picture, listen, a beautiful, beautiful picture of what Jesus Christ is all about, offering the forgiveness of sin. So imagine being Peter. He's embarrassed. Ah, I should be the one doing this. All right, Jesus, you had me there, right? If, if you're saying you have to, then I trust you. I believe you. Go ahead and wash my feet. That's fine. And then look at what he says. Look at verse 9. Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Now, there's an invitation. Sometimes things click. Sometimes they don't. I think for Peter, it clicked. I think you realize, okay, <laughs> if you're talking about forgiveness, because I've heard you talk about it, Jesus. I've heard you teach about it. I watched you talk to a prostitute and offer to her when no one else would. Like you... I saw you forgive. If you're talking about this cleansing forgiveness, then go ahead, wash me up and down. Do what you want. 
right? Anoint my head with oil as a practice. I'm sure he was like, go ahead, Jesus, wash, wash the head, wash the feet, wash the hands, wash me all over if that's the case. I wish, this is one of those Bible moments, I'm sure you could talk about these moments in Scripture when you hear these stories. You're like, oh man, I'd love to have seen that. A David and Goliath type moment, right? A Moses and the parting of the Red Sea. This is one of those moments for me when, when, Peter, when Peter probably just humbly just kind of drooped over and said, all right, Jesus, then wash everything. And the disciples are listening, probably thinking, I should have said that, right? <laughs> Imagine this moment. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed um, does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. And that is why he said, not all of you are clean. A little prophecy about what was going to happen. But then Jesus in verse 12, let's look at these last few verses. Jesus in in verse 12 really begins to, to debrief what happened. Now they weren't ready for it when the disciples came to the door. They knock on the door of the upper room, they come in, and Jesus, it wouldn't have been the same if Jesus stood there at the door. Hey, come on, guys, you know, let me sit down, wash your feet one at a time. Wouldn't have been the same. So Jesus waited until after the meal, and then they sit back down, he talks to them. Look at what he says to them in verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Do you remember what I said early on that Jesus flipped this idea upside down about what type of leader people thought he was going to be? Even to this day, there are people who, Jews, who do understand the scripture, do understand the prophecies, and don't believe that Jesus is the one. They don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They're awaiting someone else, right? That Jesus didn't quite fit the bill of what they thought he would. And Jesus kind of sets the tone. You call me the teacher, you call me Lord, and that is right. I am the teacher and the Lord. And teachers and lords don't typically wash feet, but let me tell you why I did. You call me a teacher and you call me a Lord and you are right. But this is what he said. If I am the teacher in the Lord and I have washed your feet, you should go and do the same. Now, sometimes Bible application is kind of hard. Do you agree? Like, all right, what's that mean for Monday? You might get fired if you start taking off your shoes of your employees. Right? And someone's like, yeah, I can't, I can't do that, Jesus. Sorry, I can't apply this. And what does it mean for us? I mean, Jesus in this moment tells him, I'm the teacher, I'm the Lord, I'm the master. And, and he says in this text too in the application that the master is not greater than his servant. That doesn't make sense, right? This, the master is greater than the servant. But Jesus just took, as the master, he took the servant role and he brought him here. I'm serving you and loving you. And you should go and do the same. What does it look like for those in this room today that say, I have a relationship with Jesus, and I believe in him, I believe that he's the Messiah, and this application for us is that we should do what Jesus has done for us. If Jesus offered the forgiveness of sin, and Jesus offered that through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross, he is calling everyone who believes, everyone who trusts, to go and do the same. What does it mean for us to wash the feet of our neighbor. 
It certainly doesn't mean on Monday that you go into your workplace and, and you say, hey, I'm just doing this little practice. I just want to show you how much Jesus loves you. I don't think that would work, right? But what does it look like for us to love and serve sacrificially? What does it look like for us to love and serve with incredible humility? And what does it look like for us as people who believe in Jesus to show that type of love? Because that's not what he suggests. It's what he commands. That we love people that way. What would it look like for Christians, for anyone who believes in Jesus and has faith in Jesus, to love and to serve in a way that blows people away? Remember a few moments ago I said some of us don't like to receive the type of love and in, in, in service that some people want to give? Has someone ever done something for you that was really hard for you to receive it? Because it was just so good. It was so gracious. Often we look at those people and we wonder, why are they doing this? Just like Peter would have wondered, why is Jesus washing my feet? You know why Jesus washed Peter's feet? We see in the text, because he was giving a picture of what he would do and offer the cleansing and the forgiveness of sin, but he also was doing it so that his disciples would do it. Do you believe, as if, if you're a believer in this room and, and you follow Jesus, you believe this book is pretty important, don't you? Do you know this book was not formed for hundreds of years until after Jesus left? Now, there were writings, there were stories, they were being, some were being told, some were written down, some were passed around, but this book was not put together for hundreds of years. Do you know what made the difference in the first 400 years alone? Not the teaching from necessarily um, you know, the book of John because it wasn't quite put together yet. You know what made the difference? The disciples going out and doing what Jesus did. Now, Jesus told them, I've taught you these things. Now, you go and teach. The teaching, I'm not minimizing teaching. What I'm elevating is what they were doing, right? For hundreds of years, the disciples listened. They listened to what Jesus said, and then they went out and did it. And when the disciples died years after Jesus, their followers did the same. And Jesus said, I have set you an example that you should go and do the same. And I don't... I don't know what this looks like for you. I'm not necessarily suggesting that you would go home and wash your spouse's feet, though some of your spouses may say, that'd be fine with me, right? Jermaine's laughing back there. He's like, yeah, I'm going I'm to let, let Ruthie take care of my feet for me, right? I'm not necessarily you know, suggesting that, of course. And, and, and by illustration, of course, Rachel's up here thinking, well, this, is, this is humbling. My husband's, and I didn't really wash them too well, just a little bit of water and towel. But application-wise, when you think about this, this is, this is hard. I read this, and I go, what do I do? How do I love people like Jesus loved them? Jesus said, I'm, hours before his death, you go and do the same. You go and do the same. And it doesn't have to be the washing of someone's feet. It can be the meeting of a need that someone has. Someone has a need, and you go and meet that need. You know why? Not because you're a family member, but because you love God, right? And you go and meet that need, and, and people look at you, and often, why, why, would, you, why would you do that? Encounter Church, about um, 14 months ago, I can't share the details and the names, but Encounter Church, because of your generosity and gracious gift, we were able to meet a pretty significant need in this community. And I'll never forget what the lady, when we sat down with her and met this need, and she looked at me, she goes, you people are, so, are the nicest people I've ever met in the world. I said, who's you people? She goes, I've, I've come to some of your events, right? 
And I'm just blown away by the smiles and by the, and it's not fake. It's just, I'm blown away by that. I'm blown away by you people. She said you people about five times. I was like, you can come join us, right? You can be one of those people. You, you can smile too. She's blown away, not by Jason, not by a need that was met, but by love. That's what she was blown away by. It wasn't the need. It wasn't just one person, but it was the love of God that's in this place. And it was the love of God that's in many of you. So Jesus, hours before his death on the cross, bent down, took the very lowest position that he could have taken and met the need of his disciples. And he said, you don't understand. Some of them probably still didn't understand during that moment. Peter kind of got it, right? Other people around the room could think, ah, I, don't know, I don't know what's going on right here. But he said, one day you will soon understand. One day you will soon get it. Next few moments, I'm going to ask the band to come up as they... Um, as we close off the service. And, and as they come, I want us to reflect and think and give you a little bit of a homework. And I decided not to give the three like, suggestions, but I want you to come up with one. What's one way that I can, in a sense, wash someone's feet this week? How can I meet a need in a way that encourages, in a way that, that, that blows them away? Not for me to be pat on the back. Do you think I... Rachel's up here. It's not for me to pat myself on the back, right? It's just to give you an illustration and a picture of what Jesus did. This is what Jesus did. How can you and I walk away from this place this week and say, God, how can I listen to what you told me to do? You said to go and wash one another's feet. You set an example that I could follow in it. How can I do that this week for someone? And I would encourage you to don't rush into it. It may take you two, three weeks to come up with a way. But I, I tell you, if you pray and you ask God, God, put someone on my heart, put a need some, somewhere in my pathway that I can serve someone in such a way, not to pat myself on the back, not to feel good about myself, but to ultimately reflect the heart and the love that God has for all people. You know, God loves you like God loves me. But God loves every single person that lives in Dedham. He loves every single person that lives in West Roxbury. He loves every single person that lives in Hyde Park, that lives in Boston, that lives in Westwood, that lives in Needham. But today, there are people that don't know that. They don't, they don't know how much God loves them. Just like the disciples around that table that night did not quite fully understand the depth of God's love for them. And Jesus in that moment said, I'm going to show you how much I love you, right? I'm going to steep down low and I'm going to serve you in the most humble way that I can. But that was only a picture of what he would do hours later when Jesus hung on the cross and Jesus offered the forgiveness of sin. And in offering the forgiveness of sin, it wasn't just for the disciples. It wasn't just for those that believed in him. It was for all people, for all people, that would ever be born, that would ever have been born, that were ever born, that would ever, ever would be born in the future, for people to know that God loves them. Well, how do they know unless someone tells them? When Christians decide to wash other people's feet, in a sense, the world sees God's love. And that's our task. That's our homework. That's my homework, right? How can I this week, love in such a way as to bring God attention and to spread the love that I have received in him. When you see the world, we don't see the world the same way that Jesus did. 
Jesus did not come to sit on the throne. Jesus came to wash feet. Jesus did not come to be served, but Jesus came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Even though still people thought that Jesus kind of, you know, Jesus wasn't the Messiah. Some believe, some believe he wasn't the Christ. And Jesus said, no, I am the Christ. Let me show you what the Christ is all about. Serving and loving and meeting the greatest need that people have, which is to be forgiven. Let's pray. Father, help us to see the world the way that you see it. To not be served, but to serve. And not just to serve, to feel good about ourselves or to pat ourselves on the back, but to serve God in a way that brings attention to you and how much you love us. Help, to be, help us to be like Peter and the other disciples in that moment where we realize the gravity of um, what, you've, what you've done. And I pray, God, also, as we think about what it was like to be Peter that night and to have our feet washed, this is what you have done for us by dying and by giving your life as a ransom for many. I pray this week as we think and reflect on how can we also wash someone's feet this week. I pray that you bring a name to mind. I pray that you would bring even a need to our mind to help us to say, I want to love like you love and help us to respond, God, in a way that brings you honor and that brings you glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go ahead and stand with me in this moment. We're going to sing one more song as we wrap up our service. And this is also a time where we are able to give um, a tithe and an offering to the Lord. If you're a first-time guest, your gift to us can just to be let us know uh, that you're here by filling out the connection card. Thank you for those of you that give and give generously. Because of that, we are able to do and accomplish the work of God. In fact, washing the feet of people that have needs, we love to do that as a church and as a ministry, and we're able to do that because of you. And so thank you for giving and for giving faithfully. So once again, thanks for being here. Let's continue to sing. Um, this final song together, all right?